Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs, and uh, it's April. And what does April mean, Nick? Um, something about showers and flowers. No, it means the NFL draft. Get out of here with your May flowers and April showers or roaring in like a line. That's March, right? No, it's the NFL draft, Nick. It's the NFL draft. <laughs> April showers bring NFL draft. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yes. Showers of NFL prospects. Um, so I figured we would start where it seems most natural uh, for Chiefs fans, which is which is quarterback and uh, center. Um, would you agree those are the two most pressing needs in the draft? Todd, like, don't joke with people, man. Like people are actually going to think that that's for real. Let's see, let's not do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, we no. want people to listen to the podcast. They've. <laughs> so I shouldn't make a joke about trading Patrick Mahomes or something. Yeah, definitely don't do that. And like, don't <laughs> even say that sentence like, in any way, shape, or form. Because um, Todd, I'm going to have to hold you accountable on this podcast because accountability is very important to me, <laughs> and I like when people are accountable. I like when people have respect for people that do hard work and honor that. All right. No, and look, 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 I don't want to run afoul of you. And I agree. Um, you know, um, when you I, come I, at the king, you best not miss. Huh? <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, I mean, look, I don't know how much hard work. Um, I'm sorry. I've had a lot of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know how much hard work Patrick Mahomes did today. I, I was a little surprised as part of the Royals that on opening day, um, he was talking about the masters, but <laughs> I, I'm hey, sorry. He's, not, he's not down there. Day. He's down there training with uh, some of his teammates in Texas. Okay. He can do right. whatever he wants. Right. And, and I, and I, doing apologize. That is phenomenal. I apologize. I give him brownie it's, points for that. I apologize. It's not opening day. It's uh it's officially Bobby Witt jr. Day. Yeah. I mean, he had a good day. I mean, you know, like he did better than Hosmer did in, and his first appearance, because I was at the Hosmer game in person. With, uh, I, I was at the Alex some guy Gordon. named Paul Busher and John DeRue. John DeRue, one of the biggest Royals fans I know. He gets mistake, mistaken for that super fan Chris sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I've I've mistaken him <laughs> for Chris before. I walked up to Chris one time and was like, "Hey, are you that guy from Metro Sports? Are you <laughs> so the I guy in his bragging rights?" I guess I I guess I mistook him for Chris DeRue, but <laughs> well, that's a tough break, man. John DeRue doesn't. John, like John, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Show John Drew some respect. Okay? Oh, mad respect, man. I used to love watching those yeah. braggery. I told Drew at one point he should have his own his own trivia show called Derail Drew because Drew loves trains, and I just yeah. thought that'd be great. And <laughs> some of our former coworkers thought we should do an RV show together because him and I uh, bicker back and forth about just the dumbest things. And I thought that would make for a really good RV show where I tour every state. Since I haven't been to many and then it would just be a TV show. Where I go around all 50 States and I was like, I don't know how we're going to do why I was like, unless you got like a battleship aircraft carrier, that's going to take our RV over to it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't think anybody's got that kind of money. There's container ships. They're probably cheaper options. So, Hey, if you haven't turned it off, we are going to talk about defense. Right. Yeah. No. So do you like Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett better? <laughs> Todd, have you uh what what are what are your thoughts on uh NFL draft? You got any thoughts? Um I do. I like well look, obviously, I think first of all, I I'm still torn as to whether the Chiefs stand pat at 2930. I think 
Um, there are some intriguing prospects that are there. Yeah. Um, it, but I don't think that they're going to be available at 29 or 30, right? Like, like some of the guys that I think would be the best fits for the chiefs. I don't think are going to be, are going to fall all, all the way down there. There's some other names that might like a David Ajabo, but you know, the Achilles, you know, because of the Achilles injury, but that that's going to scare off a lot of teams and probably justifiably. So, so I could see him sliding, you know, all the way into the second round or something, but I could also see if the chiefs really love him and, you know, um, you know, and we're just enamored with his tape that maybe that's a spot that they go for him. But, but I think if you're talking about the Jameis Winston's of the world, if you're talking about having a shot at, at a, a Derek Stingley type or, or a Thibodeau, if he slides, because, you know, there's concerns about, you know, whatever it may be like um, how, you know, his, his love of the game, you know, some of those intangibles that people sometimes talk about, um, you know, if the chiefs like one of those guys and they start to slide a little bit, they're, they're positioned to move up. The, the problem I have is it's hard for me to see where they would move up to. Um, Cause I don't, you know, I mean, I guess 12, 13, 14 with the Vikings, Houston and Baltimore seem most likely because Philadelphia, New Orleans already made their moves around with, you know, swapping some picks there in the first round. It's hard for me to envision the chargers like helping the chiefs out by swapping into pick 17. So it's just hard to see where they could move up to, um, you know, inside the top 20, if it's not all the way up to 12 to 14, which is why. I'm still torn. Do they give up the capital it would take to move up that high or do they just stand pat and see what happens at 2930? I think it just depends on if there's a certain value on their board at Ed Rusher or receiver um, or maybe another position I'm not thinking of right now, but those would be the two spots that I'd personally be willing to go up for more so edge rusher than receiver. Cause I mean, we'll get to receivers next week, but I may have snuck a peek at half of them already. Just letting you know, don't ask me questions. So I'm done. Um, <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's more value at receiver than I thought in the later rounds, just oh, yeah. from yeah. hearing other people's interpretations. I'm like, <laughs> this guy, this guy's about as good as this guy in the first round that people are talking about. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm okay if they stay in Pat at that spot for like receiver or get it later. Like, I mean, there's some opportunities there that I think they can get later, but edge rusher. I mean, the guys I like it may actually be there at that range. Aiden um, Hutchinson? No, that's dude. Okay. When you want me to start going through the defensive ends, I will. Um, but like, I, I'll be honest, man, like Hutchinson's not, he's not, he's not my favorite. I mean, I get why teams like him, but like, he's not, I think it's more he's a safe pick than it necessarily is that he's right. Look, he's he, I, he's he's the classic case of a guy with a low floor, um, you know, and, and you mean a high floor? Sorry, high floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like like, like a low floor. I mean, that's an agent, <laughs> Todd. No, it's kind of like like I mean, I've been listening to a lot of stuff about Bobby Witt Jr. this week, and <clears throat> and I was thinking back to Alex Gordon, and people were like, well. Maybe he's the next George Brett. And then I, I'd hear other people say, well, what's the floor for him? And it was like, well, he'll be a very good player, maybe an all-star game appearance or two and a very solid piece for a contender. And that's kind of what the Chi the Royals end up getting out of Alex Gordon. And then you listen to people talk about Bobby Witt and they're like, well, he could be the best player in the game today. And it's like, okay, well, what's his floor? And they're like, eh, probably Mike Moustakis. And it's like, that's his floor. I'm like, I'll sign up for that. 
Mm-hmm. And a- Aiden Hutchinson's a guy that that he may not turn into, you know, prime JJ Watt or something like that, but he's going to be a solid, uh, a solid and productive player one way or another. And like you said, he's a safe pick. It, it, very low chance Aiden Hutchinson becomes a bust. I think. Yeah, I think with uh, Hutchinson, I'll start my official analysis right now on defensive ends. There you uh, go. Pe- some people in, in my mentions actually have been looking forward to him. So thank you for bum, that. Bum. Uh, but uh, I don't even remember the breaking news that I did last week, <laughs> but I'm sorry. I already forgot the theme. Um, <laughs> um, but no, with Hutchin- Hutchinson, like, he's not an elite athlete. So like that's not what he's going to be. So I mean, as a first overall pick or top five pick, like he's not, he's not what you kind of expect in terms of an athlete, but because I mean, I think he's got good straight line speed. I think he, I think he would really succeed in a wide nine style. But his change of direction isn't isn't the best from the games that I was able to watch on him. And he wins more with power and technique. He's a really solid technician to where you don't necessarily need a D line coach to coach him through how to do a rip, how to do a swim, how to counter this, how to you know how to set up a, a rush plan to be able to take on a tackle and be able to to set them up like it's. His his technique is second nature to him, just like breathing. So I think that's what's so appealing to teams and why there's so much talk about him in the top five is because he just you don't have to coach a lot of the intangibles and a lot of the technique in him that you might have to with pass with other pass rushers in this draft. I think the fact that he's six foot seven too, right? Like he's the tallest edge rusher among these prospects makes him a little bit unicornish um, in addition to like the, the polish that he has to his game. That is just going to be those two things make him a different prospect than other edge rushers in this draft. And frankly, a lot of other drafts. Yeah. Um, next guy I'll go, I'll go through a uh, Thibodeau. Right. Is that his name? Right. I put a pronunciation key on it and everything. So proud of myself. Kayvon he... Thibodeau. So with Oregon. him, Good job, Tom. So proud of you. Uh, you're you're going to be calling the cards at the NFL draft in no time with that type oh, of man. performance. <laughs> me, me and Roger. I just hope they boo me as as angrily as they do Roger Goodell. I I may actually fly to wherever the draft's held just to purposely do that. Oh God! I would for people, you. people. I would hug you so hard if you did that. I've never been on a plane before, so like, I mean, that's how much I want to boo Todd <laughs> right. during his moment of success. <laughs> um, no, but but with, with Thibodeau, like, uh, look, he's got he's got he's got elite speed and acceleration. Like, he's up there in the upper echelon. And so that's what really impressed me about him. And I loved his change of direction. I mean, he's the, he's like the opposite of Hutchinson in terms of like athletic ability, but he doesn't have the same technique. Like that's the part, I mean, he wins with the speed and his ability to get up field quickly. Like that's, that's what he's got. I mean, you know, he's got long arms, he's got a solid rip move that, you know, that keeps the tackle from getting into his chest. So, I mean, I, I think he could become a complete pass rusher, but I know there's also from people I've kind of talked to from the scouting community. I mean, there's, there's also some concerns that similar concerns that, that the previous pass rushers have, have had before that were top five picks in terms of kind of how, how bad does he want to be one of the top pass rushers for a considerable amount of time versus kind of just making it and getting that second contract. Right. Like, is he going to, he needs to be coached up on, on the finer points. How receptive is he going to be to that? And how important is it going to be for him to become elite at that? I think that's one of the questions that's out there. 
That is that is the question. That's I would also say though he's young, right? Like he's he's you know he's coming out. He's only been mm-hmm. in college three years. A lot of these other guys that are at the top of this this class, uh, almost all of them, except for like Ojabo and and Karloftis from Purdue, are all seniors. So I would say there's you know you hope he would mature into that role and mature into into um you know his game once he gets to the NFL. Yes. Um, do you like do you, do you, do you like him as a fit? I mean, if some of those concerns about his just desire cause him to drop in that twelve to fifteen range, do you is he a guy worth going up for? That's kind of that's kind of the thing I'm curious about. If that scenario ends up happening for the Chiefs, is like I'm curious how they feel about him in their in their draft room. Like that's what I kind of wonder. I'm like I wonder what they feel about in their draft room because like he's one of the guys that if he falls in that range, I'm like I'm curious if they'll trade up for him or if they'll just be like hey. That some of these other rushers we feel more comfortable with that are going to be there, like you know, in that in that fifteen to twenty five range, like the, the that's more maybe what we'll do. So I just I I'm very I mean I don't personally know, so that's what I'm kind of curious about. It's going to be one of the things I'm going to kind of be watching on uh, on draft night there. All right, so uh, I'm going to throw out a couple more names here that that are some of the higher ranked prospects, guys with that have like first round type type yeah. uh talent type grades. So Jermaine Johnson the second from Florida State, George Karloftis from Purdue, Arnold Ebiketti. Uh from uh, Penn Kate, State. Eb according to my pronunciation key. Uh Eb uh, T. Yeah, there you go. Eb uh, yeah, You're good. And then uh, David Ajabo, who I, a lot of people have bumped him down to a second round grade. And some people have Ebiketti as a second round guy too, but those are the other, those are the, I think the next, is it fair to say those, those guys make up the next tier behind Hutchinson and Thibodeau? Yeah. I think the first tier, I think the first tier is going to be, it's actually going to be Hutchinson, uh, Thibodeau. And I think Trayvon Walker, like, I think that's, those are kind of your first. Right. And I, he, he's a tweener, right though. Like some people like him as a, as a, as a D tackle in a four, three, maybe. I, I think he could play left defensive end for the chiefs if they wanted him to. Yeah, or he's more of a three-four outside linebacker with his size and physical style. Like I, I think that's where he's going to shine in the NFL, and and like he's more of a power rusher. He, he reminds me a lot of Justin Houston in terms of the power that he had. So I I you know his ability to lock out offensive linemen that's hard to find, and he has the power to be able to do it. But he actually wasn't the guy that I that I was surprised give the most jolt. We'll get to him a little bit later, but there was one defensive lineman that I saw and, and like, dude, like he was jolting people and I'm like, sign this dude up. I don't even care where they get him to sign him up. That's some power. Is it John <laughs> Davis? No, it's not. <laughs> it was a guy I didn't actually think it was going to be. So oh, like I thought that. you meant another guy in Georgia. No, no. Okay. Um, it gets your next guy. Jermaine Johnson's floor. That's a guy that actually I am also, I'm, I'm a really big fan of him just simply because I feel like he's got, really good combination of speed, power, size, and arm length. The way he would come screaming upfield and be able to convert that speed to power, I really love that. I think he's got good pop. I think he keeps tackles disengaged from being able to kind of control him just because of that combination. Um, But where the key is going to be for him that I think is going to take him to a really good, maybe even elite level, is when he starts learning how to utilize the club to keep tackles off balance. 
Because the the speed that he has, when he's able to convert that speed to power with a club, like he's going to knock some dudes over, and like that that's where I think he takes his game to a new level down the road. If he's got a good D line coach, um, is, he, is he a bit of a poor man's Kayvon Thibodeau? I mean, does he remind you a little bit of of uh, maybe not quite as elite as an athlete, but but has you know enough similar traits? They've got very similar builds. Obviously, come from different you know programs, different systems, but. Is he maybe a more refined, slightly less athletic style of what Thibodeau could become? I think you could say that. I, I think they're in the same ballpark in that regard to where, like you said, Johnson may not have the same numbers in some regards athletically testing wise, but like kind of their styles and how they go about it, I, I think would definitely be in the, in the similar bar, ballpark. Uh, Karloftis, I'm not... I'm not enamored with him like other people were. I just I, I just see a guy that's a power rusher. He's got good size, good bull rush. And, I mean, he can do some of the lateral movement. Um, but his his ability to change directions, it was really tough with his build and his size. And, I mean, I think he could win at the point of attack and be a solid run defender. But I, I just – I think – I think he's going to need to be a wide nine as a pass rusher or being a three, four outside linebacker. I know that sounds weird to say, but like there's some guys when they pass rush, the guys who can change direction and have the fluidity, like that's kind of what, especially for the chief scheme, that's really more what you're looking for to have the impact. It's the guys that are really more wide nine and kind of are more straight line speed because there's certain guys that they can change their hips and explode through. Uh, and one of those guys definitely was not Breland speaks. So, I mean, I'm trying to avoid the Breland speaks styles, you know? So that's where I I think with them, like, that's kind of where for me, if a guy can't get to that certain realm, they got to be dominant in some of the, the run defense and power rushes for me to be like, Hey, it's okay. They don't have to change of direction because they've, they've got all these marks over here in a great way. Yeah. And Karloftis is a bigger guy. He's, he's pushing 270. Right. Um, you know, I mean, it would be a little bit, you know, like you said, I mean, he, he doesn't, he's not a prototypical in for what, what they're looking for. I mean, it, just think back to last year. I mean, you know, the chiefs prioritized length and athleticism when they, when they snatched up Josh Kando in like the fifth round, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's the kind of developmental type guy that they, that they were trying to, to add, at least last year, uh, you know, um, and fair to say Carl Loftus is more of a, he's built a little bit more like a Mike Dana type, right? I think Mike Dana is probably more athletic than him. <laughs> That's not a good sign at all. Like I, like I, I actually, I actually had that written down. I actually had that written down. I just didn't want to say in the podcast. <laughs> uh, but you brought it up. You probably should have done that. I hope, um, I hope but George's I will, family doesn't hear this. Uh, I probably I'm sure we'll get my mentions by somebody that will add him and tell him to listen to this podcast. Um, It'll be me. <laughs> it probably will be you. Um, now I will say with, uh, with uh, Arnold Ebicati from Penn state, one of my favorite rushers, like if I had favorite Roger rushers, Jermaine Johnson's up there. Ebicati's really up there because I, I feel like he's a finesse rusher. I feel like he's going to win with his acceleration, his rip move around the corner. I liked his, I liked his lateral quickness. Thought he had a really good close, especially when he sees that corner and he's getting ready to pass the tackle to get there. I think he sizes up well with tackles, gets them past. He gets them to a certain point and then he'll cut underneath them and set them up. I, I like how he does that. 
Um, I thought he had good acceleration and quickness on on his uh, on his twist games and stunts, which is big in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. Uh, I thought he had solid strength. Things something that's probably gonna have to be worked on a little bit to get the NFL. I mean, he can hold his own and run support, but I want to be able to see him be dominant down the road. And I think there's there's room for improvement in that regard. Um, but man, I mean, he blocked a couple field goals, like just showcasing a leaping ability to be able to help out on special teams. So Dave Tobes probably already be like, Hey, get that guy right now. We need him for special right. teams. Get him, get him. So no, I, I really, I really liked what he brought to the table. And we talked about a last week, but did you watch tape on him? And, and what are your thoughts about, you know, given the Achilles injury, you know, did you see enough from him in terms of technique, in terms of ways to win that aren't just speed? Because, you know, that could be the thing that's impacted, um, you know, or among the things impacted by the injury. Did you see enough from David Ajabo to still feel comfortable make, keeping him as a first-round grade? I, I think the Achilles is going to be a big knock on him. And right. I just don't, I'll be surprised if he stays in the first round. Unless it's a team that's got a lot of luxury picks that and thinks that he's going to get back to who he is before that, because a lot of where I saw him win in his pass rush is when he got the tackle parallel with the with the sidelines. So I mean, that's you know, if a tackle is at a ninety degree angle or you know this type of angle like that, he wasn't winning those. But he once he got the tackle parallel with the sidelines, that's when he won a lot of those pass rushes, and that. That kind of that concerns me because I mean, in some regards, you're, you know, you're not always going to get a tackle at that level, and if you do, like, I mean, the running backs coming over to help chip before then, so I mean, it just, <clears throat> I just don't think he's going to be able to get there in time until he, you know, before the Achilles, he was already having the problems, and afterwards, who knows? I mean, he did have a quick close after, you know, when he and he swiped the ball a handful of times to be able to get that knocked out of the quarterback's hand. I mean, he did have good acceleration and change of direction. It's just like the biggest knock I probably had on him that I think is going to be a problem for him is just the, the strength he's going to need to help him pop on bull rushes and to help him, you know, set up the counter moves and be able to beat offensive linemen, no matter what they're doing technique wise, it's one of those things where like if, if his first move didn't, didn't work rushing wise from the tape I watched, he, he would just give up you know, he would just kind of give up sometimes and like, just kind of, just kind of be there, be present in the moment, but not really try to counter or try to kind of work through some of that stuff. And, but I mean, dude, he, he had a fantastic spin move. And one of the games I was watching he, the spin move he put on him was like right up there with like Freeney and Khalil Mack it, in that regard. So, I mean, he had that before the Achilles. I just, I just think there's a, I think he's a developmental guy. I know it sounds bad to me to say, but I think the Achilles is what, is going to cost them to where you were already going to have to develop a handful of things with them that probably should grade him in a second round. But with the Achilles taking a chance on him as your only like third round pick or your only second round pick, I just, I think it's going to make some teams nervous to where you want him more as a lottery pick, especially on like a day three type of thing. But you just, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if some teams willing to be brave enough to take that risk. Well, the the Chiefs could be that team because they've got, as it stands now, two first, two second, two third, and two fourth round picks. So they certainly have the luxury of if they think he could be special and he's sliding, they have the luxury of of three picks in the top 50 with which to work if that's something that intrigues them. But it sounds like if they stay put at 29-30, 
Jeremiah Johnson the second or Arnold Ebiketti would be the the guys you're looking for uh, to hoping that they're there at twenty nine thirty. Fair to say, I don't know if they're going to be. I don't know if they'll be there at that spot. Like I, I'm hoping they would be, but I, I think they're going to be in that range. Depending on what happens with Thibodeau, I, I, I'm kind of concerned that those guys are going to be at a range where you're just not you're going to be nervous between 18 to 26 that they don't, if they don't get past that number. Well, honestly, this is going to sound weird to say, I think the best thing that could happen for the chiefs in terms of looking for an edge, look, if they move up, who knows? Like, you know, Brett Veach hasn't called the detail what his draft plans are to me yet. So more um, than welcome to though. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Brett, I'll, I'll, you know, you can find me on Twitter. Um, you know, you can, uh, I'll, I'll, um, you know, Brad's got my cell phone number, things like that. <laughs> you can reach out anytime, but I think the, if they stay put, I think the best thing that could happen, not necessarily if you want them to get Jamison Williams, but if you're hoping for one of these edge guys to fall would be a run on wide receivers, because I think. Once some teams start going for wide receiver, I think other teams are going to start getting nervous because they're going to have a guy that they really like, right? And I think you could see um, receivers go pretty quick. Um, Having said that, you know, maybe other teams will feel, you know, like you talked about earlier, there are a lot of value guys in in beyond the first round in this year's draft. So teams may may wait, but there's also some elite talent um, when you think of the Ohio State guys. Um, you know, the, the Drake London's, um, you know, I, I, Traylon Burks, t- guys like that. If, if there's a run on wide receivers, I think it, you know, it kind of kicks the can down the road and it increases the likelihood of Jermaine Johnson or an Arnold Ebiketti are still there at 29 or 30. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll be nervous for that on draft night. That's all <laughs> yeah. I can really say about that. I've got a I, lot of scenarios in my head that I'm going to be nervous about until the pick is made. Okay, so but nobody else that you feel like fits in that 29 to 30 range that you feel like could be a first a first round type pick, or is there somebody else that you think that is worth is worth spending that draft capital on? I I think that's probably where that's going to end in terms of first round. There's some guys I'm I I selfishly would love to see the Chiefs get. That'll kind of be in that second, third round range. Right. I mean, they've got know. 50, they've got 62, they've got a couple third round picks. So now let's talk. Okay. The Chiefs, for whatever reason, whether they trade up and they and and they go wide receiver and they don't, you know, or you know, or trade up and, and you know, and surprise everybody finally take a corner, whatever it is. Now you're in the second round. Now you're in the third round. Who are some guys that you think could be good fits and could be good value for the Chiefs to pick up there? Um, the, my first two, and, and like, I know they may not fit all the, all the litmus test stuff that the chiefs normally have in their defensive ends. But if you want to pass rush to get better, you're going to have to, you're going to have to widen your net at some point. Like you can't just have it be this, this is the mold and it has to be this way. Cause guess what? That way is not working. You're not getting a pass rush from it. So at some point you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself and you've already wrecked yourself out of two, uh, two Super Bowl titles. I'm just going to be blown about that. So we just uh, hit that like a wrecking ball. Never hit so hardy, Lord. Um, so Nick Benito from uh, Oklahoma. Like that, that's the dude that I, I honestly think there's a chance he might be one of the fastest and quickest edge rushers in the draft. 
the way that dude gets a top end speed as quickly as he does and the quick twitch that he has about him that he puts on tackles on the edge spin movies got he's got a good dip and rip technique um i i think he would be lethal on twist games and stunts and his speed alone is worth it so i mean that's my that's my one um and I would like him more kind of on a Frank Clark side over there, right defensive end and Leo position. I think that's where you'd match him up. Uh, now, now the dude from Kentucky, Josh, uh, Josh Pascal. Pascal. Yeah, yeah, Pascal. Like Pascal, he shouldn't be. Uh, he shouldn't be able to play as violently as he does on the edge. Like he's their like he's a Melvin Ingram style guy. Like, I mean, that's, that's what I loved about him. I'm like, sign that dude up right now. That's your next Melvin Ingram for the next decade. Go get him. Go get him right now. Yeah. Um, he, he has such violent hands and how he uses them with the, with the just lightning quick movement that he has to be able to stun an offensive lineman and be able to beat them at the point of attack. The way I watched him stun offensive lineman, I was like, that is Khalil Mack-esque right there. Because right. And, the and, and that, SEC lineman, guys who are also going to be right. playing in the league. I believe they call him grown men. Uh, but, yeah. um, so like, like he, like he was the guy that surprised me. And I was like, dude, this dude's got hands that stun people. Like, I haven't seen this since Khalil Mack came out of Buffalo. Like I Todd, I had to, I, I had to, you know, I had to mm-hmm. check my p- pulse and make sure it's all right. Cause I was like, I will watch every game that this guy is in just because how violent he plays as an edge rusher. Would you um, rather be the chargers with an aging Khalil Mack on a big contract or the chiefs with the Josh Pascal this year? Chiefs with Josh Pascal. Let's do it right now. Take him 29, 30. I don't even care. This is why I'm not a GM. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm reckless. It'd just, be, it'd just be all, it'd just be all guards who are maulers. Cause you're like, I love him. <laughs> that definitely would be in every draft. Uh, right. like, that can maul. He reminds me of me at Oak park. <laughs> <laughs> I was not that good. Um, but no, I mean, like he's got lightning quick hands, you know, he's quick on his movement, man. And like, just, he's got such, I like his size and his strength and his ability to hold the ground in the run game. I think he's got a really quick first step that allows him to kind of shoot in the backfield and cause problems and just create anarchy. But he's got such a violent rip and swim and club like the offensive lineman. They just, they just don't have a chance with that combination of speed and, and power and size. I mean, I just, I think he would fit perfectly as a left defensive end and his style of play. Like I said before, just so much like Melvin Ingram and Zadarius Smith before his back injury that I'm like, look, like that's that's the guy custom rap for you that could be that type of dude for you. Like him and Melvin Ingram together with Melvin Ingram potentially, you know, if he resigns with the Chiefs after, you know, OTAs or something. Um, like that's the dude you want mentoring him. So like he passes that that along. Like if in my dream scenario, the Chiefs go out and they get them, they get they get Josh, and then they go out and they get Benito from Oklahoma and like Frank Clark and Ingram, the two mentoring them to kind of hand that, hand that torch off to them. And you just get that next wave of in that look, that's my dream scenario. That's what I thought of in my head and my heart. I don't know if it's going to happen. No, but I think, I I think they will have the option of, of getting one or both those guys in the second and the third rounds. Take them both, get them both. Let's make some magic happen here. People. I Well, and I do, I think if the chief stand pat and, and take, all eight, which I don't think they'll do. I think they'll end up with six, six or eight, or six to seven picks in that first round. Veach's history says he's he's going to move up if there's a guy that he really likes. But uh, look, I can absolutely see if there's any position, any two, if there's any two positions, I can see the Chiefs spending a lot of draft capital um, in those first six to eight picks. It would be edge rusher, and then the other one I think would be would be corner and I, and I'm probably thinking more third, fourth round with those. 
they've you know they did a lot in terms of signing some wide receivers so i wouldn't put wide receiver completely out of that but i i still think corners another position where you know they haven't addressed that in free agency you know so i wouldn't be shocked if they get a couple corners early if they if they do end up taking seven or eight in those first four rounds yeah so you ready for my next wave yeah yeah let's hear it so is this more day is this more third day guys todd it's 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 probably third on and, you know, I don't know. We'll see whenever the right, like that, but, but this is more like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys. Probably in the third, fourth, and fifth round, maybe. maybe well, they don't have a fifth later. round pick, so it won't be in the fifth round. <laughs> you know, you don't know that. They might trade you. That's true. That's bro. true. You don't know, bro. Pa- package for all fourth, scenarios. Package their fourth, trade seventh back. round. You don't even know. They may trade back and get a fifth round. Right. Trade back all. Trade all four seventh round picks. Uh, get our draft nice. day early, over early. <laughs> next guy would be Jesse uh, Lucada, I believe, from Penn State. Um, he's, he's a hybrid between a linebacker and kind of a situational edge rusher right now. He's at a strength perspective. He's not there to be able to hold up against the run as a, as a defensive end, but his size and speed, I think he could be a serious edge rushing threat. Um, he hits like a freight train and sprints his rear off. I mean, he's a high energy football player, good pop. Once he gets his momentum built up on, on his rushes and he has really good acceleration in the first 10. I, I think he's got solid change of direction. Like that's, that's a guy that I see more developmental wise uh, Tyreek Smith from Ohio state. I thought he had good acceleration around the edge, the way he crashes down to kind of help and run support, Thought he had a good dip and rip. And I was impressed with the spin move that he had to go with it. Thought he had a solid bull rush, but he struggled against double teams in the run game. So like, that's something that I think is going to probably knock him down. Trey Williams from Arkansas, you know, originally at Missouri, um, he showed good promise with his bend around the edge and solid rip move. I know he had to transfer to Arkansas after some off the field issues and he joined Barry Odom down there. So, I mean, there's going to be character concerns in that regard with, with the incidents that had occurred there at Missouri. And, uh, but I mean, in I terms aware. of player, <laughs> yes, I know you're, I know you all people are aware. Um, you know, Williams is relentless. He's a relentless rusher in terms of what he puts on tape, which is why I think he'll find, Home in the NFL, I think it's going to be a lot later than than people, you know, than what his talent may have warranted if he didn't have the character and concerns. And, I mean, where he's at his best, though, is when he's shooting the gap or if it's a design twist or stunt. Like, I think that's really where he, he kind of shines. I think he's he's capable of having some quality bull rushes. Um, he's going he's gonna to need to... He's going to need to get his pass rushing combos and his counters together. It's going to be a lot of development he's got to do there. And, I mean... You know, he tries to rip and dip, you know, dip and rip through the opponents. And, you know, he can hand fight. He just he just hasn't shown it on a routine basis, shows it in spurts in that regard. And then, I mean, he's 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 a high energy develop developmental rusher that he just needs a really good D line coach and like to not have any more incidents or issues occur. Um, Michael Clemens from Texas A&M thought he had good size, a little bit stiff in the hips when he has to change direction. Uh, it's not, it's not a flu, you know, it's not, it doesn't have the best fluidity in that motion. Um, and he, you know, when he, when he gets, when he gets enough runway is what I like to call it sometimes to be able to build up that acceleration. I think he's, de- I think he's capable of delivering a good pop, uh, against offensive linemen. I did, and I loved his uh, spin move and he, he has a good spin move with a rip off of it that I was impressed with. Um, his short area quickness acceleration is kind of where I think he kind of he can kind of do something. Um, last last two guys for me, Chris Allen from Alabama. 
I know he's had a knee and foot injury that kind of derailed two of his four seasons at Alabama, but he's got good athletic ability. I thought he had a nice burst up the field along with power bull rush and he can drive tackles back. He, he can, he can hold up against the run. I think he's got good size for a Leo. If you played that um, he plays off instinct versus more assignment, which, well, you know, you're going to need to coach that out of him for run discipline. And he's willing to work his way back to quarterback on rushes. So I was, I was encouraged with that. Um, then the last guy for me was, uh, you know, Barno from Virginia tech. I mean, he, he doesn't have a ton of experience at defensive end. He's a developmental prospect. He's going to need a couple of years to develop. I liked his explosiveness as a rusher, his ability to get up field with kind of the, will be his shot in the league like with that speed that he has and that ability. He's got good size, but he's going to kind of need to continue to develop that strength and bulk up to be able to handle run support in the NFL and, you know, to make his speed convert into power. So, I mean, he's kind of, he's, he's at the beginner stage of trying to learn how to pass rush and how to, how to knock away defenders hands as well as kind of create counters off of it. But I mean, his spin moves are at a pro level. So, I mean, there's, like those are those guys are kind of more the late rounds that you're taking a flyer and a lottery ticket on, right? One of those one of those four seventh round picks is Amari yeah. and Amari Barno could be there. Yes, um, so that, that that's all for me on defensive ends, Todd. Okay, well, I mean, I think I feel like you gave us one or two names there that that people can get excited about. I hope so. I mean, there's <laughs> the, I, I, like people are gonna. I know people are gonna have me like, is Nick in a Winnie's parking lot because they didn't take the end from Kentucky. Or Kentucky, and I'll be yes, <laughs> probably yeah, absolutely. Uh, it won't. Will, will it be? Will it be Mike Williams resigns with the Chargers level? Wendy's crushing. Maybe I don't know. I want oh man! Oh man! Let's hope nobody like if Josh Pascal goes at twenty seven. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that way that dude plays. Um, look, D tackle. The Chiefs have taken an interesting approach to this. I think this this offseason. You got Chris Jones, right? I don't. I don't anticipate they're going to move him back to D end again. Um, so I think he's going to be there at D tackle, um, which helps, right? I mean, it helps because you're not going to be weakening that position to start the season. I think everybody will be in place. They brought back uh, Derek Nottie, which I, I think you know they didn't break the bank for him. He is, you know, he is what he is. He's a solid run defender. Um, you know, a run stuff guy, he knows the system. You feel good with what he brings. Colin Saunders has never been able to stay healthy, um, and, and produce, but you know, you've still got him in there. You've got Tershawn Wharton, and then they've signed a lot of guys to futures contracts or, or, you know, like vet minimum type deals. They're kind of taking the throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks approach with defensive tackle. How much of a priority do you think it's going to be? in the draft though, for them to bring in some young guys at that position that, and, and get, and some young guys who can rush the passer and bring more athleticism to the interior. I, I think it's going to go one of two ways for them. I think edge rushers more significantly more important for them. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's going to be higher up on their board. And I think but, wide receiver and corner probably are too. I think wide receiver is corner. You uh, until you see him take somebody higher than what they <laughs> fair, do. Like fair. I just I don't let him fool me into that, Todd. That's every fair. year we talk about it and we're mocking corners in the first and <laughs> second round, and you know Legere Sneed and Rashad Fenton, you know later in the day three picks. So like, I, I, I think the loss of Charvarius Ward makes this one a little bit different. But but I mean, look, they got him by you know what trading a 
seventh round pick or Parker Anger or whatever, you know. Parker Anger, okay. Parker Anger. Which is basically a seventh round pick. No, it wasn't, Todd. Don't <laughs> insult him. He was a talented player before his knee. No, I know. He he was. He was. And he was a I was a big no, I fan. think he was actually a third round pick, maybe. <laughs> third or fourth. It was somewhere in that range. Yeah, before he got hurt. He got yeah. yeah. Sorry, Parker. So, all right. So I will start yeah, on this. Defense. is what I get for insulting a guard. Yeah, no, that's that's you know, I should have learned. Uh, I mean, everybody's going to talk about you know Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis, and I get it. I, I don't think they're going to be there for the Chiefs because of their ability. I'm going to talk about Travis Jones just because I like him. I think he'd be a good one tech in the Chiefs scheme. Um, he's got the strength to kind of take on a double team and hold opponent in attack. Jones can, you know, like I said, he can take on doubles and not move. He has a strong pass rush. I liked his how strong his grip was and 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 the power he's got to go with his club move. He's more of a straight line acceleration player, but his power is what separates him and kind of being a good run defender. So that's that was my first one. I like Winfrey from Oklahoma. Is he, a, is he a second or third round guy? I mean, do you do you see any of these guys as potentially at twenty nine thirty? Because Jones isn't a guy that I've seen a lot of first round buzz on. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I think from a defensive tackle perspective, I think kind of Wyatt and Davis is kind of where the like that's those are going to be your interior guys in the first round. You don't like Boye Mafi from Minnesota? He wasn't one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, right. He's a guy that I see some mocks trying to throw out there because they, you know, um, so I just wanted to rule him off, cross him off the list. All right. So Winfrey from Oklahoma, we're talking about here. Um, he's not an elite athlete from sideline to sideline. That's not what he's going to be. He doesn't have top end acceleration, but where I think he's got a good ability for players that he he's able to get up field in the pocket. Um, I thought he's, I thought he's a good hand fighter. I thought he had a quick rip and swim move along with a good spin when it's timed. Right. Um, his presence was always felt along the line and the scrimmage whenever I was watching his games, I thought he's capable of running twists and stunts. I think he's got a good size. It could fit as a three tech and potentially as a one tech on like third and long situations. So I was intrigued by him. Mathis from Alabama. I thought he's a really promising one tech. I thought he had great size. I liked his lateral quickness that he, that allows him to kind of reach two gaps over with that ability that he has. Um, I thought he had a good bull rush. He'll need, he'll need to work on taking on double teams better, but I mean, he's, he's really good at looking out, and, and there's a certain technique that they do it where they extend their arms and lock out an offensive lineman. And then they kind of peek to the left or peek to the right. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to physically do it while also keeping my voice in the microphone for people. I, I was going to say, I wish people could see, he looks a little bit like a meerkat, like ducking and dodging around <laughs> the microphone in this zoom recording. But I want to make sure that like, I, you know, they can hear my voice strongly in this microphone right now. Um, like, so I, I suddenly like have, I feel like I need to start singing Hakuna Matata or something. <laughs> so anyways, um, so I think he'll need to work on that. But I mean, he's, like I said, he's really good at locking out the offensive linemen and then being able to shuck them. And that means just toss him like a rag doll to, you know, go stop the run. And I, I think he's relentless on, on plays and he'll sprint down the line to make a tackle. He may not, he may not get there, but I mean, he, he at least tries. Now the next dude I'm going to talk about here, this is, this is right up there with, uh, it was right up there with Bonita and, and, and Pascal. I want you to know this All right, from Arkansas, John Ridgeway, John Ridgeway, Honestly, from what I saw on tape, might be one of the strongest players in this draft. He's got an outstanding bull rush, and his ability to walk back most offensive linemen one-on-one was impressive. And I liked how violent his hands were when, when he wants to be, and he can toss offensive linemen like ragdolls because of the strength that he's got. I thought he was very physical and run support and continues to kind of 
work in the pass rush ability, and I think he's going to need a good D-line coach to help him with that. But, I mean, he, he could play a rotational nose tech. Uh, I mean, he had to play a rotational nose tech at Arkansas, but I think he could do that in a 3-4 scheme. But, man, if you put him at a one tech in the Chiefs scheme, like – it would. I, I I was really really impressed with him, um, Matthew Butler, from Tennessee. I, I thought he could rush as a one or three in the Chiefs scheme. He's got a chance to be kind of a quality rotational three tech. He's got a solid bull rush, a bull rush, good swim, great stab, and impressive close. And I thought he was smooth on twist and stunt. So I was intrigued there. Next guy that I really really okay. Liked. So where where now with with Butler. I feel like we've we've reached a point where he is like some a lot of the guys you were talking about I think are second or third round type guys. I think with Butler we're looking a little bit later than that now, aren't we? Yeah, we're we're going yeah. That's like Rid, going. Ridge Ridgeway's probably that third fourth round range, but this is a guy that's that's probably uh a little bit farther into that day 2 or day 3 uh air, ter- territory now, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. starting to get in that ballpark. I just want to help keep people a lot I don't want people to think you're saying like, you know, hey, take Matt Butler with the 60-second pick or something like that. No, I get it. Because I, um, I don't think that's realistic. I think some of those other guys, whether it's Perry and Winfrey or Federian Mathis, uh, those guys are, 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 you know, probably third-round grade, um, somewhere in that range. Um, you, know, um, you know, same with maybe Travis Jones, second, third round. Um, but now we're talking more fifth, fifth sixth-type round guys, right? In that ballpark in day yep. three. Um, it's more the eye of the beholder for me at that point. Like, I just like to go day one, day two, day three. Right. A lot of times, like, like you talked about earlier when you were talking about, um, you know, Amari, uh, the Virginia Tech DN. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, maybe you're looking for a, a, an elite trade or something that really stands out that you feel like, okay, there's something there that we can build around. You're not going to have perfect prospects in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. Those guys go in the first round or two. You get to this range, you start looking for, you know, when they talk about a guy being projectable or a guy having an elite trait or something like that. So you want someone whose strength or his speed or his size or something is unique and that you feel like would you could find a way to, to leverage it to make him, to, to draw out the best in him as a player. Todd, you make points I can't dispute right now. It's exactly what we're doing. It's exactly the conversation we're having. I like it. I like it a lot. I like positivity here. Um, yeah, so my next guy is going to be Haskell Garrett from Ohio State. His, he's got a really quick first step I wouldn't expect. And I thought he had good acceleration, lightning quick hands to kind of go with it. Um, I thought he was quick on some of his swims and rip moves. I thought he had a solid bull rush once he got his momentum built up. I like how he keeps his pad level down. I thought he had good lateral quickness that could really shine in the Chiefs scheme. And I thought he's capable of shooting the gap and kind of creating rush lanes for his teammates with his speed. So at that point, you're kind of getting more of a developmental guy that you're kind of using as rotational to help set some stuff up. Um, then some other guys, I, I, they, were, they were later in the draft, and I was kind of surprised that they were still where, you know, kind of where the projections and rankings were whenever I started looking at them, like Damian Daniels from Nebraska. I thought, I think he could be good one tech for him from a rotational perspective. Um, I thought he'd be a solid run support technician for him. I thought he had good strength to maintain the line of scrimmage, got a good solid swim move to get off blockers and kind of penetrate in the backfield. I thought he had good straight line speed for 10 yards, but he maintained leverage well running out of the, against zone blocking. So that was kind of where I was intrigued with him. 
Um, I don't think I'm going to say his name right from a, from Iowa State. Um, do you Ioma Uz who was Rike? I don't know. I, I I'm okay. Out. We'll go with that. Um, but I thought like he he was impressive with his athletic ability, like, being at six six three twenty. Like, I didn't expect him to have like ideal athletic ability, but he had better than I expected. Um, the, the way he was able to bull rush, the way he had a good spin move, solid rip. He's quicker than I expected on a spin move, and and he'll hustle downfield on a screen or chase a chase a chase a back to the sidelines or upfield. Like I mean, he gives what he's got. And he worked. He worked well across the line. I thought he's capable of helping out in multiple spots as a pass rusher. So I saw a rotational guy there, Jaden Peavy from Texas A and M. I thought he had just he's just a special level of bull rusher. Like the way he kind of stuns offensive linemen when he connects a full force. Like they they just didn't stand a chance. And I mean, he knocks linemen back. He's got good power to drive linemen back. The way he's able to shoot the gap against them, he's got good rip and swim, but he's going to need a, a D-line coach that can kind of help him put all together and kind of build the counters. I, I, I think PB will find success as a one-tech in the NFL with his size and, like, his center of gravity that he's able to take on double teams. I mean, he struggled with tackling and, you know, kind of lacks the lateral acceleration to be a threat and kind of catching up to offensive players in the open field. But I thought PB at least was willing to try to run twists and stunts. He kind of has a habit of hesitating when he's unblocked instead of just attacking. So there's just little pieces here and there that I kind of, he was, he was the last one I had down where I was like, man, I was like, this guy's projected late and like looking at him, like he's, he's got a really good pop. Like that's something you can work with. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a glass half full type of type of guy Todd, when it comes to football, other things in life. Yeah. It's 50 50. <laughs> No, but I mean, I think the point is um, defensive line, Brett Veach said was going to be a priority, right? Yeah. Um, and and look, they, like it or not, they they kept Frank Clark for about a million and a half, a million, million and a half um, over what they would have had to pay um, to, to cut him um, based on dead money. Um, I don't, Look, I mean, does he solve the problems with the pass rush? No, but at least it didn't create another hole to have to go fill. Um, and and we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens um, in the draft. I still think you think it's a safe, you think it, there's a chance that the Chiefs go with a couple DNs and a couple D tackles and, and go really heavy on defensive line this draft? I, if I'm in their shoes, I definitely want to get two defensive ends to have strong upside promise that you're wanting to get either day one, day two, early day three, and you want to get one of those guys in day one or day two. And you definitely want to get, if you haven't already gotten two by then, you definitely want to get a, a second one early day three. So I, I think that's kind of where you want that in that regard. Defensive tackle wise, I would think you kind of really want to do that more as kind of a maybe late day two, definitely day three kind of developmental guy that you can kind of work with because I mean, you're not really, if, if you're looking for a guy to kind of replace Derek naughty long-term, that's kind of, you can find those guys in day three from what I've seen on tape, but where you're not going to be able to find, and I just don't think it's in this draft. I just don't think there's a guy in this draft that's going to match what Chris Jones does on this defensive line long-term. I'm not saying you're replacing him, but at some point you get developed behind him. So when I'm looking at their defensive tackles for the chiefs, you're going to have Derek Nottie, And I think I personally think Colin Saunders is going to be behind him. Just Colin Saunders showed promise as a one tech yep. more so than I realized. 
And he, and he was strong in that Titans game before he got injured. So, like, you're really hoping he can kind of stay healthy. But if he doesn't, you're trying to find a backup one tech to kind of work in there to maybe replace Nadi long-term while you have him on a one-year or to be able to kind of fill that rotational spot on a regular basis from what you lost in Saunders, but is an upgrade pass rusher-wise over Nadi. So that's what you're mentally trying to find in that regard. Chris Jones-wise, you're just going to have to keep working with Wharton and I just I don't think there's an I don't think there's a true athletic defensive tackle other than the guys in the in the first round and early second there yeah. that could kind of be in that ballpark. But I, I think the Chiefs have more pressing needs that they need to really kind of go after before that. That's a nice tease because we will talk about another one of those needs next week. So if you enjoyed um, Nick's insight on, on these players, um, despite my interjections periodically. Um, we're going to talk about wide receivers next week. And uh, I know that's the end and wide receiver, are the two positions that I think uh, most people feel like need the most need to be addressed the most and, and probably the earliest in this draft. Todd, do you want to take a guess so far who one of my favorite receivers is? I'll tease it right now for everybody. I have multiple favorite receivers in my top 15 right now, but this guy took the cake. I'm assuming it's Jamison Williams. It was not. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get back to the. Um, does I'm he play for way. Ohio State? No, he doesn't. But he's in that ballpark. He plays in that conference, and I actually do like one of the receivers from Ohio State a great deal. <laughs> um, it's not Alave. It's not Garrett Wilson. That would mean it's not Traylon Burks. Jahan Dotson. Good job, Tom. All right. <laughs> that dude's a dynamic receiver. I saw some Jamar Chase in his game. Seats outside or slottish? Um, or just put him anywhere. He's a dude that I think could play both spots, and I think, like long term, he could play outside. But short term, if you had to put him in a slot position, I think he could take some people to church. Well, there you go. Um, there, there's a, there's a, an appetizer for next week. It's a teaser. It's a teaser. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right, one well, of those dollar fifty pimento cheeses at uh, at uh, the Masters this weekend for dollar fifty. By the way. Have you seen the ridiculousness, the $151 burger at Truist Park in Atlanta? No. Do yourself a favor. If you have not looked this up, just Google $151 burger Braves. I will. uh, But I do want to say two other things before we go, dude. The Georgia pecan uh, or the Georgia peach ice cream sandwich that I've heard about down there at the Masters. I really want one of those. Like, I, I hope. You know, I heard I mean, those are really, really good. I know. I get my peaches out of Georgia. Well, this is an ice cream sandwich in that form. And um, I know Lindsay Shively and Taylor Hemnes had it on the morning, you know, on the morning show out at Kaufman. That barbecue sandwich with Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound appetizing. No. But after after hearing them vouch for it on the morning show there, I am intrigued, Dodd Palmer. The smoking the way the chef talked about the smokiness of the chocolate with the barbecue. I am I am intrigued to at least try it. So here's the thing. I uh if you want to get one and we'll split it, 
um, you know, I'd be up for it. I'm not sure that I can handle I, I, that many calories and carbs in one sandwich these days, man. That's actually very true. You and I would have to split <laughs> with, our, with our situations with the sugars. <laughs> right. I don't think. <laughs> I think my if my doctor saw me, she would she would nod disapprovingly. <laughs> Well, I guess we better make sure that she didn't listen to the podcast or see you. Then. That's true. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Lane. Um, Do you even I, A1C, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, all right. Well, I got nothing else. Um, I feel like that was a good discussion. I feel I, like I uh, feel like we learned a lot like about the, life. And yeah, the people should have gotten a lot out of this. I hope they did. If you did, comment to us. Let us know what you thought. Rate and review us because we're trying to get higher up in searches, please. So that would be great. That's why we like the rates and the reviews and go to the community that we started up. Give your discussion on your defensive ends, what you like about them, what you didn't like about them. Um, if you will or won't attend Todd's birthday party this year, anything that feels right in your heart. Yeah, it's like six months away. You got plenty of time to decide. You don't. We don't need to know now. We're not RSVPing this week. You always gonna have something to look forward to, Todd. So that gives us yours is much sooner. Don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, Todd, this looks like this is where my exit. So I bid you adieu. No, it it is. So you take care, kids. 